10th podcast in my series dealing with common questions and controversies of Christianity. In today's lesson, I'm going to be addressing the topic of church government, or some refer to it as church polity. If we look at the trend of Americans, personal commitment in every area of life is becoming more and more rare, right? Whether it's a commitment to marriage or employment or personal self-discipline, people are lacking in personal commitment. So given these realities, it really shouldn't surprise us that church membership is a decreasing reality. For example, it's not uncommon for Christians to move from church to church, never really submitting to the care of church leadership and never really committing to a group of fellow believers. So to neglect church membership and refuse to commit to a local assembly reflects a misunderstanding of our responsibility, which Christ has called us to. So when we ignore this responsibility, we miss all kinds of opportunities for blessing. Everyone loses out, both the individual believer and the corporate body. Therefore, it's necessary for every Christian to understand what church membership is and why it matters. So in the remaining time, I want to answer six questions that will bring clarity to the subject. Question number one, is church membership biblical? Well, first we have to recognize that the idea of formal membership is non-biblical. There's no direct command that says that we must join a church. However, that doesn't mean that it's unbiblical. You see, there's a difference between being unbiblical and non-biblical. Unbiblical is when an action taken contradicts a clear biblical principle. For example, to say that believers don't have to attend church services would clearly contradict Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, which says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together as it is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we say the day drawing near. On the other hand, a non-biblical idea simply means that it's not found in Scripture, nor does it contradict a clear biblical command or principle. So church membership falls into the category that's really non-biblical. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because the Bible offers freedom of expression in areas that are non-biblical. Even though Scripture doesn't contain an explicit command to join the local church, the biblical foundation for committing to the local body of believers permeates the New Testament. So church membership is simply a vehicle in which a believer expresses his or her intentions to fulfill the obligations Christ has commanded. When a person's saved, he automatically becomes a member of the universal body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body, and that means that we're also united to other believers. The Bible also stresses the need to commit oneself in visible and practical ways, such as instruction of God's Word, serving one another, edifying one another, and using our spiritual gifts. By committing to a local church, we can participate in taking communion and proclaiming the gospel to the lost. In addition, when one commits to a local church through membership, he also agrees to the care and authority of the elders whom God has given the authority of spiritual oversight. Question number two, what did the early church do? Well, the prototype for individualized commitment to a church is found very much in the early church. In the first century, coming to Christ meant coming to the local church. The idea of experiencing salvation without belonging was absolutely unheard of. Lone Ranger Christianity is simply unbiblical. In Acts 2.41, when individuals repented and believed in Christ, they were baptized and then added to the church. 
We find no example when a believer came to Christ and then lived in a private commitment to Christ. We see in Acts 2.42 that they immediately committed themselves, along with others, in devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Question number three, well, what about the parachurch organizations? Even though these groups are popular today, the Bible is really silent on organizations that function outside the authority of the local church. It's important that we understand, though, their goals and their missions. They can be wonderful aids to the local church when they act as allies, not competitors. If they're biblically minded, they should function as a means of support and encouragement to the local church. They can be very useful in helping guide believers into the solid Bible teaching, local church. Question number four, who are elders responsible for? A consistent pattern throughout the New Testament is that elders or pastors are to oversee each local body of believers. The specific duty given to these elders presuppose a clearly defined group of church members who are under their care. According to Acts 20.28 and 1 Peter 5.2, these men are responsible to shepherd God's people. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.12 and 1 Timothy 5.17, it tells us that elders have authority over them. And Hebrews 13.17 says that they're to watch over their souls. So why are these things so important? Because Hebrews 13.17 and 1 Peter 5.3 tell us that elders are going to give an account to God for the individuals given to their charge. So someday we're going to answer to God. Certainly those responsibilities necessitate that there be some sort of mutually understood association and commitment to the local church. Elders can do this if believers are under their care and they agree to submit their lives to God's ordained design. One way this can be accomplished is through church membership. Scripture also teaches that believers are to submit to their elders. Hebrews 13, 17 reads, obey your elders and leaders and submit to them. The question for each believer is, who are your leaders? Those who refuse to join a local church and entrust themselves to the care and authority of the elders show that they really have no true commitment to God's design for the church. Question number five, what about church discipline? Another important reason for church membership is what the Bible calls church discipline. In Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Jesus explains the way of the church is to restore wayward believers who have fallen or become trapped in sin. Jesus tells us that there are four steps to rescue believers from their wayward path. When a brother sins, he's first to be confronted privately by a single individual. If he refuses to repent or refuses to listen, as the scripture says, that individual is to take one or two other believers along to confront him a second time. If the sinning brother refuses to listen to the two or three, then they're to tell it to the church. And if there's still no repentance, the final step is to treat them as an unbeliever. That, by the way, assumes that if they don't turn from their sinful ways after all the loving pressure, then they're most likely not saved. All of this implies that believers are to be committed through the thick and thin. And again, church membership is one way that they can show that commitment. Question number six, is there any responsibility to one another? The last reason for church membership includes the command for mutual edification. 
Scripture teaches that the body of Christ depends on the responsibility of every single individual to be devoted. In other words, Scripture exhorts all believers to edify other members, and they do this by practicing the one another's of the New Testament. Listen to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. You see, church membership doesn't guarantee the kind of commitment that we really are expected to present, but it is a tangible way to express one's dedication and allegiance to each other to the elders, as well as ultimately to God. Contrary to popular opinion, much is expected of believers. Living out a commitment to the local church involves all kinds of responsibilities and commitments. It involves living a godly life and exercising love to others, a diligence of service and contributing financially to the work of the ministry, and faithfully participating in corporate worship. So even though church membership isn't mandated in a, in a very literal way, in a very practical way, believers, by joining, can show dedication and commitment to the Lordship of Christ. And it's a great way to mark one's intention for all to see. Well, that concludes this podcast, and I hope it's been very helpful. If you're following us on a weekly basis, we want to let you know that next week, because of Thanksgiving, we won't be broadcasting a new podcast. But in my next podcast, we're going to be looking at a topic that's very sensitive these days, and that's the role of women in the church. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Until then, may you learn Christ, love Christ, and live for the glory of Christ. We trust that you have been blessed by listening to this week's episode of Touchpoints, a weekly podcast produced by East Point Bible Church in Peru, Indiana. To learn more about East Point, we would love to connect with you by reaching out via our website at ebcperu.org. That's ebcperu.org.